When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Hoopstats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoopstats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and happy March, everyone. It's officially the best time of the year in college basketball. Champ Week starts this week, so um, postseason is underway, so a lot of talk to talk about there. Today, we're going to focus on one of the most exciting tournaments coming up kind of in that Champ Week series, which is the Pac-12 just being so strong all season long in women's college hoops this season. So without further ado, I'm here today with Ben Dole from our Hoopsis team. Hey Ben, how's it going? Hey Megan, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Happy March. It's finally here. Yeah, it's going to be a busy busy six weeks or so here, but it's one of the most exciting times of the year. Exactly. Yeah. Certainly a crazy kind of month and a half coming up for us, but really excited for it as well. Um, so you're actually heading up to Vegas tomorrow morning or well, I guess when this is released it'll be today for the Pac-12 tournament um, so that's obviously super exciting and probably a lot of what we're gonna cover today with Champ Week kind of getting underway this week. Yeah I'm excited to excited to get up there and really to see you know Oregon's playing at such a high level and you know who you know if someone can really challenge them that'll obviously be the biggest draw of the weekend, but seeing kind of the other teams in this top 16 stratosphere, right? You know, UCLA, are they a two? You know, Stanford, obviously, they're in position to be a two, and Arizona, uh, Arizona, Oregon State, and even Arizona State. Maybe maybe Sun Devils have a little magic, and they can uh, 
they can get I don't know. I don't know. Maybe things break for them where they can even get kind of bang that door down too. Yeah, a lot of kind of intrigue at the top in this one, especially kind of with the selection committee's reveal on Monday night. Um, you got, I think, five of those teams in the top 16 seeds right now, being Oregon, UCLA, um, Arizona, Stanford, and then Oregon State kind of jumping back up in there. And then, yeah, like you said, Arizona State kind of knocking on that door a little bit. So definitely kind of a chance for some of these teams to make or break their position in the um, top 16 seeding over the next few days, which is the best part about kind of, you know, champ week and everything coming up in the next two weeks of college basketball. Yeah, so where should where should we start here, looking at this bracket? Uh, I'd say let's start at the top. If you had to pick someone that's going to challenge Oregon, who would it be? It's it, it just whoever whoever makes it through to meet him in the final. That can obviously be, you know, the three favorites would be UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon State. With, you know, with Arizona, I just worry, you know, Aaron McDonald missed games, and they got the win on Friday over Stanford, but then Sunday in losing to Cal, you know, it's not, you know, they didn't lose to Cal with Airy playing 38 minutes and taking 25 shots. You know, she played 24, and they sat her for a pretty big stretch there third quarter into the fourth quarter, she ends up playing 24 minutes total in a close game. So, you know, I really question, you know, where she's at health-wise and if Arizona's just going to be a little cold and calculated where, you know, if they, you know, if they if they play Oregon in, in a semi, it's, you know, great. It'd obviously be awesome to win, but I would think as long as they win this first game, the selection kid committee can't really hold the win without Aerie and then, the cow one, you at least maybe give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt with her status and you don't bump them out of the top 16. Cause I just don't, <laughs> just the idea of getting more, you know, more time off before the start of the tournament, it's you know, almost a week and a half. It's just, I can't really see that being worth it to really push it and say, Hey, Arizona's going to go for this. So I think it'll really come down to that, to that championship matchup. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's going to be someone cutting on the bottom of the bracket, whoever makes it through. And yeah, like you said, I think that's favorites for that are UCLA and Stanford and then Oregon State, maybe not the total favorite out of the six, but I think another team that could kind of be in that mix. Yeah, let's... So, so I mean, those other three teams, you know, one, I think it's kind of natural to start with UCLA with them being on a two line at the moment on one hand, I kind of want to say like this, this record for them and they go 25 and four, you know, you know, one, you know, I think people are kind of kidding themselves if they don't look at this and saying they missed a huge opportunity to be that fourth one seed, even if they just make it to the final, you know, they should be at this point with two losses. You know, you didn't have Michaela Onyenwere against USC, your best player. Of course, I get that. But then you you also dropped the game to UW, a team that, you know, almost should have beat him the first time too. Like they just, they haven't been overpowering against some of these bottom teams. And and, and to an extent, like I kind of wonder, I, th- I think people are kind of picking at Stanford and Oregon State's warts a little too much. And UCLA has kind of gotten by as like, oh man, is this their year or whatever? Like I, I don't, they're not, 
I don't really view them as this 25 and four, I guess maybe what people might typically think of a 25 and four team. I don't know. What do you make of, what do you make of where the Bruins are at? Yeah. For me, it's hard to tell because I think sometimes they seem to like play to the level of their competition. Almost it's like they don't play as well when they're playing some of these weaker teams, which is why they don't have that separation and why that is. I don't know, but you see them like, I don't know. I remember watching the Oregon game and they kind of, you know, fell out of that one quickly in the beginning, but they had like a really good fight in them through the rest of it. And it's like, where's that team every night on the floor? But yeah, I think it, with UCLA, a lot of it depends with what team shows up to this Pac-12 tournament. Is it that team that gave Oregon that kind of good fight through the second half of that game? Or is it the team that, you know, lost in Washington a week ago? Well, and this is where, this is where, I kind of I shake my head sometimes at how season-long stats get used, right? Like UCLA, hey, they're looking at it right now. They're 35th in, you know, in offense, points per 100 possessions. Oh, they're this great offense. Well, not really. Not only play the best teams, and that was part of that Oregon game. You know, I think people have kind of cast some stones at Oregon in, in future years when they – or past years, sorry, maybe when they deserved a little more for being a little too squishy – with their defense, but like they're really long, they're active. Like when they're defending in that zone, like they give teams real problems. And you look at UCLA that they're shooting, they're shooting below 30% from three as a team. Charisma Osborne is the only player on their team shooting better than 30% from three. So, you know, to, to think that they're this, you know, I, I just think that's so much of it right there where, you know, if, if, if you can force Michaela to get, if you can force her out, force her to, you know, shoot more shots over you, force them a little bit further out. You look at the rest of this team and it's just like, where's, where's, where's the offense going to come to? Where's the offense going to come from? Yeah. I think that's a big question for them. I won't harp on it too much because I think I've kind of said the same thing in the last week or two, but yeah, their defense is usually really solid, but their offense, sometimes it seems like a big question mark of who's going to step up and score. Um, even when like Michaela can get her shots and J- even if Japristine is hitting her shots, still someone else has to do something lately. It's been Charisma Osborne, but if someone else can't step up, they have a real trouble on offense. Uh, and it's going to be hard to make a deep Pac-12 and frankly, like regular NCAA tournament run. If that's the case. Yeah. You know, the, the coaches, the coaches awards came out today. I'm interested to see how much the media ones differ. I've got a, I'm finalizing mine. I'm just doing mine for fun for tomorrow too, mm-hmm. writing those up. But, you know, Japrice Dean, it's, it's, it's now or never, you know, she, mm-hmm. she got that nod from the coaches. She has the reputation. She's obviously earned it hitting some big shots, especially last year for this team. But it's like, all right, like she's shooting like low thirties from the field. So to some extent, the reputation is there, but now, now is really the time where if it, it, it really just, it really just is a lot of it's going to rest on her shoulders. If she she's going to have to string together three, four, five awesome games together where, you know, in conference play, there've been, there've been a lot of clunkers to be honest. Yeah. They've had quite a few games that are definitely closer than they should be. Um, And yeah, they do really need her to step up. I think we kind of saw her do that a little bit against Utah in their last regular season game, they kind of won that one by a big margin. It was over 20 points, and she had a pretty good game, but they're going to need that consistent, consistently from her going into March um, to kind of make that 
looked better. It actually, I'm retracting what I said. I just looked at her field goal percentage for that Utah game. Never mind. She had like 14 points, but she was one of 11 from the floor. So that's. that's yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, like honestly, that that I mean that works perfectly to have <laughs> brought that up because that's kind of that's kind of the whole deal, right? It's just it, again, it's the reputation thing where you don't you don't think she's having these games, but if you pull it up, it's like. You know that that explains a big part of it. With with, uh, I guess, their, you know, if you're really gonna put them under the microscope, you know, and, and it's fair to call them struggles offensively sometimes. Like it's just they need your priest dean to have these awesome games. And it if we're if we're judge if we're judging the likelihood of that happening based you know off of this Pac-12 regular season, it's not it's not very likely to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, looking at the full lives in that. Utah game, credit to her for being 12 of 12 from the line, but one from 11 for the floor just isn't going to cut it if you're trying to make a deep run in either of these upcoming tournaments. Yeah, um, so, so, yeah. oh, go ahead. <laughs> so, Oregon State, Stanford, who do you want to tackle first? Uh, let's tackle Stanford. I think there's some question marks there in terms of injuries. I feel like we haven't don't have total information on who's going to be available not available um i don't has there maybe i just missed it but we just still don't know what the case is with Haley jones right and there hasn't been anything definitive on a timeline there yeah i mean they they haven't they've been close to the vest on Haley jones and dejanay carrington at this point you just have to assume the ship has sailed i mean it it's you know they're gonna be you have to assume they're going at it without them but at the same time, like Maya Dodson just suddenly was playing and I was like, okay, it's great that she's back. So I guess I, you know, you're always going to leave a, a sliver of a doubt there, but, but yeah, it's, you know, you're moving forward without what, you know, I think is their second best offensive player and uh, they're, you know, one of their best two-way players who's in Dijonet, who's, who would close a lot of games for them. So it, it's, you know, it, it's, people have to change how they think about this team. And it's, it's, I think it's been interesting to see how people react to them. And I think the, you know, the available, you know, who has the Pac-12 network and who doesn't, I think plays a huge part in this where the team that went to Eugene the first time mm-hmm. and got blown out in the second half, isn't even the same team that saw him the second time because Haley Jones was such a big part of that. And now my, you have Maya Dodson back who in theory is your defensive anchor so and and even and you know to give Dodson some benefit of the doubt here, like she's still you know very early in her season, so it's just you know we're still at a point where you know they just they don't totally know you know what their best five is. It's going to be different every night, and I think their you know their their overall ceiling is just going to be a little lower because offensively they're just not going to be as dynamic without Jones. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, but kind of going back to your point that it was a different team against Oregon in the second one than in the first, I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, credit to Stanford because they did, you know, kind of fight their way through it in that second Oregon game. It always really felt like it was in Oregon's hands, but Stanford kind of quietly came back in that one where they got it down to being a game kind of towards the end a little bit. So that was kind of good to see instead of the way they got blown out of the water in that first one. Um, so a different team. I don't know if it's a better team or not. I think it's hard to tell because then, you know, well, they follow up that pretty good performance against Oregon 
with a loss at Arizona, which isn't a bad loss, but it was a bit surprising to me after that Oregon game. I kind of thought they were going to sweep that Arizona road trip. Yeah, I didn't, uh, you know, the Arizona loss, I mean, Arizona, especially at home, I think you have to just look at that as, and, and you know, people might disagree. I, you know, I, I, you know, pretty confident in my grip on this, like, you know, Arizona is really good. And mm-hmm. especially at home, you're base. you have to, you're basically looking at a team that was in one possession games with Oregon and Oregon state in the same weekend, completely housed UCLA in that building. And then they beat Sanford. So, you know, really just the takeaway is Arizona is awesome at home. And yeah. I think it's okay to say the gap between them as the fourth best team and UCLA and Stanford, I think it's just okay to say that it isn't very big, and I don't know if that really has to be a knock to either of those two teams. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I don't think it's a huge gap between you know them and then UCLA and Stanford. I think they're all pretty close together in terms of competitiveness, so those games are going to be interesting. It really could go anyway. If Well, I guess Arizona, we probably won't see up against you know UCLA or Stanford, but there's a decent chance that we see a UCLA Stanford matchup, which would be a good one to see again. We've only seen it once this season. That was when UCLA won at Stanford, but it was a close game, and I would expect the same thing kind of going into this tournament as well if we get that matchup. Yeah, and I and I'll I'll put my money where my mouth is too. I mean, if if you're telling me Arizona, if you're telling me Airy McDonald is playing 40 minutes a night in the NCAA tournament, you know, no restrictions, no, you know, she's not holding back. She's not, you know, dealing with whatever it is with her lower leg injury. Arizona's a better team than UCLA. And I think they're going to make a better, you know, a lot, a bigger run independent of, you know, where they end up in the bracket. I just think they're better. Fair. Yeah. I mean, UCLA with that 14-4 record, which really, like you said earlier, should be 14-2 benefits from the fact that they had a weaker Pac-12 schedule, so yes, they get the higher seed in the Pac-12, but if you tend to go back and take a look at those two resumes, Arizona has had to fight or play a lot of the tougher teams twice, so their 12-6 and six is, I think, equally as impressive as the UCLA's 14-4. and four. Yeah, so our, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> continue talking about Stanford as we were, uh, did you have anything else on them? Um, trying to think. I think they're another one where I think the offense is just a question sometimes, similar to UCLA. Um, you know, who's going to step up and score? I think we've kind of seen Keanu Williams be the anchor of that. And then Lexi Hull has also been really strong. But sometimes that third option is a question mark, and they're going to need a third and probably a fourth person to step up to get some of these bigger wins if they're going to make a deep run in this Pac-12 tournament. So I think that's a big question mark for them kind of heading into this one. Obviously, Maya Dodson being back helps that, but how much she plays and how rusty she is is going to impact her production on offense, and it'll be interesting to kind of see who can step up for them. Yeah. Le- Lexi Hall has had a really nice season. You know, I think she she really – I didn't necessarily really – I wasn't really thinking about, you know, her taking some big step offensively. Um, you know, I've been – I've you know, was really high on the both the whole sisters and their defense and their their impact that they were having right away last year's freshman. But that was also, you know, assuming Haley Jones and DJ Carrington are are double figure scorers and and carrying a big load for them. So, 
you know, Lexi's been huge for them. And, and, you know, the thing with Stanford is, you know, if teams are able to kind of take them, you know, take away some of the quote unquote easier shots that they get running that Princeton offense, right. Are they getting back doors? Uh, you know, are you, are you communicating your pick and roll defense? Are, you know, are you ready for when they pick and pop? Uh, you know, all these different things. If, if those easier buckets aren't coming to them, that's where it really does circle back to Keanu Williams. Cause she's the only one that can go get a shot on somebody, you know, and then kind of the same thing with UCLA when they get zoned, you know, who's, who's going to be a huge threat to really shoot you out of that. You know, they can bring in Hannah jump in there where she's a little iffy on the defensive end and, and people just are going to scout her pretty well and know she's just, you know, she's out there to be a specialist. So they, you know, they kind of have, they have a big you know question of what their identity is going to be. Nadia Fingal has been a really solid big for them. She's shooting the three pretty well this year, but then who's that other player on the court? You know, it's not Haley Jones as the forward really goose the offense. So Fran Belibi, Ashton Prechtel, Alyssa Jerome, even, you know, who, who's going to step up. You can, you know, you can rattle all these platitudes about how it's great to have depth. Right. But then it's like, all right, a couple of these kids are freshmen and who's actually going to do it. And is it really a good thing if you're at this point in the season you fancy yourself as a Final Four team, and you don't really know the answer to that question of who that player is. Yeah, exactly. In one way, it's like great they have a bunch of these options that could be the person that steps up. But uh, I mean, it's March at this point; they should kind of know or have it narrowed down to you know a couple people that you expect are going to be that player to make that play. And I just don't think, partially due to injuries, but Stanford just doesn't have that answer right now. Um, so it'll be, I guess, interesting to see if we can find someone that's going to step up and do it and, you know, be that answer in the Pac-12 tournament. I think that would bode well for them come the NCAA tournament. Um, but if not, yeah, I don't if, know that they're going to make the kind of run they're hoping to. Yeah, because if I'm them, you know, I, I, you, I really want to beat, you know, assuming Oregon State wins that first game, I really want to beat them and then just face UCLA. And obviously it'd be nice to just get that run against Oregon just to give those players, those chances, right? To, you know, really be able to look at that, look back on those games as they get ready for the tournament and just, you know, say, Hey, here are these, here are these extra reps we got. Here's what we knew. We know we need from these players. You know, for, I think Fran Belibi coming off her best game of the season at Arizona state. So, you know, does she just, is she just cresting at the right time here? And maybe she just continues to run with this, you know, Prechtel's had games where she scores 18, 19, 20 points. And when she's shooting the three, they have another stretch big out there. That's huge for them. And then Maya Dodson, a little more, uh, you know, much more post-centric. And that can kind of limit them in some ways because she's not spacing out and taking someone out of the lane. And that's, you know, they, the the Friday game in Arizona kind of presented that, you know, identity question where Ari McDonald came right in and scored on Maya Dodson twice in a row. And it's like, all right, well, they took Dodson out because she's not, you know, that stopper for him at the rim. So then they go to Fran and she gets, you know, Aerie runs right around her and they're, they're in with Prechtel on that last possession when McDonald drives in for the game winner and she's traffic coned her. So like they're, they have all these trade-offs they're making with that spot. And it's just, it's going to be really fascinating to me. Yeah, definitely. And then you kind of, you know, started to hint on the last team that we're going to talk about in that probably top group, which is Oregon State. Um, so yeah, the number six seed, which I think is way lower than most people and back in November would have said that they would finish in the Pac-12, but injuries have definitely played a part in that. Um, but they're still poised to, you know, play Stanford in the second round. And then I think they're just a str- 
maybe not quite as strong as that kind of like UCLA, Stanford, Arizona tier we were talking about, but I don't think they're far off from it. So I don't think it would be shocking to see them kind of make a bit of a run here. It's just it's just really tough to have lost, you know, the two your two top options at power forward. It, it's I, you know, I don't know what it is. I'm, maybe I'm just still a little more rosy on them, where I st- I think they can win three games here, and then you know the you know the narrative really changes, right? Then I think they're probably mm-hmm. seen as the team people thought they would be, and then you're saying things like, well, that's the team no one wants to see. But I just, I just really, really, really worry about the forward depth at this point. You know, when they play these other options now, Maddie Washington, Janessa Thrope, you know, they, they play hard. They've, you know, been pretty good in their roles where it's more limited as a backup, but just they don't have a three-point threat at that four spot. And you can slide Michaela Pivik there, but then they just, they run out of guards too. So it's just... You know, are they going to go all in and just play their five best players a ton of minutes? I would like to see that. Uh, and, and I think, you know, they that definitely raises their ceiling if they're trying to win win against these teams. Um, but, it, you know, it's at the end of the day, maybe it's I need to, you know, it's time to face reality if, you know, just and just kind of call it like it is. And maybe they're they're more of a, a sweet 16 team and that that kind of might might be the end of the road for them yeah i agree with that they unfortunately just have kind of really been hit with that injury stick horribly this year um, which is never fun to see but they've still i mean hung in there in the pac-12 which is kind of the toughest conference and well is the tough not kind of is the toughest conference in basketball this year so they've still been able to come out of that you know with 10 and 8 record which isn't horrible I mean there's so many teams on this bracket that don't have a winning record when you look at it um, but yeah if they can kind of fight through that well I guess we'll see I think that Stanford Oregon State matchup that we'll hopefully get on Friday is going to be definitely an interesting one though yeah and and one thing for Oregon State too that's been interesting is maybe one of the one of the things you would have thought is the least likely to, you know, kind of go sour on them as cat tutors only at 32% from three on more than five, five attempts a game. And, you know, that was the, you know, their, the three point shooting that, that came up last year where, uh, you know, they got ousted um, by Washington in the conference tournament. Aliyah Goodman goes 0 for nine from three. You know, she really, she really was hard on herself from that one. And, they had that awful, awful shooting game when they dropped the game at ASU. Sent the kind of the similar thing. So, you know, Goodman and Tudor, they have these two shooters, and you know, a lot of a lot of it too is just how Michaela Pivik and Destiny Slocum are going to get theirs. Slocum, especially, they're just she can score over people, but especially in the Pac-12, they, these teams know each other so well. I think it's the cliche is rings true here where. They know Goodman. They know Tudor. They're not, you know, they're gonna try to team. These teams aren't gonna uh, gift them chances to catch and shoot. Where maybe uh, you're just excited to get into March if you're Oregon State and run into someone else. Where you know they might be a little more, a little more susceptible to those kind of breakdowns. Yeah, someone that's not so familiar with you too. It's always a big thing. 
um, you know, coming into March when you get to the NCAA tournament, it's not necessarily teams that you've played, you know, two, three times this season. So that gives it um, a little more interesting, makes the upset factor, I think, a little bit more intriguing. But yeah, I think the Pac-12 conference is going to be tough for, or the conference tournament is going to be tough for them running into Stanford early on there. Um, I believe Stanford swept the regular season of those matchups. Uh, but I think they were both close, so there's that, I guess, right? Yeah, so Stanford yeah, swept that both. regular season, but both three-point victories for Stanford, yeah. so really close ones. I guess, yeah. statistically speaking, if it comes down to another three-point game, Oregon State should win it, but <laughs> that doesn't always seem to happen, so <laughs> we shall see. Yeah, so really, yeah, I'm really hoping we get, you know, two classics on that non-Oregon side of the bracket in the quarters and semis because, again, it's just I really wonder what we're going to see from Aaron McDonald and Arizona because, you know, I, I, I personally think, like, that, like, they are probably the, uh, you know, them, probably Arizona, Kentucky, are probably some of the top teams there that are the most dependent on one single player, mm-hmm. you know, of anyone in the country. So it's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I we'll just, we'll see what we get there. And I'm sure there, you know, in, in some, in some form, there's probably going to be a surprise we're not seeing coming uh, with, with at least one outcome here, but I'm really hoping that those teams kind of give us the, the games we hope for and that it, uh, it kind of lives up to the hype at this point. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think as much as you want a little bit of chaos in March, I think it, the Pac-12 tournament is going to be the best if kind of those best teams end up facing up against each other. So I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to see. And then in addition to kind of the bottom half of the bracket, big games that you got coming, you've also got a potential Arizona-Arizona State matchup on Friday. I think that's another good one before Oregon gets into the Arizona pitcher there. Um, but those games were close during the regular season again. I think Arizona won both of them, um, but both by single digits. So that's another one. Yeah, in, in, be interesting. in theory, it's a win-win with the Arizona opponent, although I think, I think they will be plenty... Uh, I think they might have more than enough frustration to take out on Cal to the point where I don't know mm-hmm. if Cal will be able to hang with them in another game, but maybe I'm wrong there. But but yeah, another round of what did they, they call it? The Territorial Cup? Is that what it is? Arizona? <laughs> um, I think that's yeah. what it's called. A, a third round of that would, would be a lot of fun. Uh, we're probably not going to get ASU uh, Oregon State, unfortunately, after uh, Scott Ruick's football comment where Charlie Th- Turner Thorne was quick to quick to play the victim there and uh, to drum up some uh, I, I can't call it animosity. I don't think it was that, that strong <laughs> or that serious, but that was, that was kind of an interesting saga there too. I missed that one. What did he say? It, it was, it was strange how it kind of took up legs because um, I'm doing this off the cuff here. So forgive me, but <laughs> I think he made those comments, you know, a, a previous weekend, but then they kind of resurfaced. Uh, when they when they played each other, um, and it just kind of it was just the line that got grabbed was that he kind of that Rook said it's kind of like playing football playing against Arizona State and you know they're a physical team 
is just what he's getting at. He meant it as a compliment. And, and I kind of joked after that as funny because, uh, you know, I just frankly think like if someone is outraged at that, that they're just lying, like you haven't watched Arizona <laughs> State play, they play a low possession game, they slow it down, they grind you to dust and they're all about just being as physical as they can. And, um, yeah, but that, but I don't know. And maybe, maybe, maybe that was all there is to that. And it wouldn't have really bubbled up in anything more, but seeing like st- seeing like stuff like that's fun it's okay to kind of you know uh you know bask in that stuff when it happens because that's what that's what the game is missing sometimes right sometimes we're af- afraid to you know dr- you know lean into that kind of stuff right yeah no i definitely agree with that um, always good to kind of see that kind of stuff it's always fun a little friendly competition and banter doesn't hurt anyone um so yeah, I think we've kind of covered, you know, the top of this and some of probably the most exciting matchups that we're expecting or hoping to see in terms of like other fun things to talk about. Any team that you think could make kind of a little Cinderella run in this Pac-12 tournament? Uh, someone, you know, if you had to pick someone we're not expecting to make a bit of a deep run, who would you pick? Yeah, so for one, you know, I... I would say it's the more boring answer, so I'll give another one after. But just Arizona State, you know, again, if if Ari McDonald is in a full, a full go, if they're cautious with their minutes, you can obviously see them stringing off two wins there. But if not them, I'd probably say USC. You know, it, it, it's say it's been <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's been shocking. I mean, I congr- I mean, hats off to Mark Track. Like they they're playing like they're down to seven players at this point. Although I think they're going to get Aaliyah June back. I think that's what the broadcast said over the weekend. So they're up to eight. But all these freshmen, Alyssa Peely's been one of the most exciting players in the conference. Uh, something like 19 a game in conference play, like 57% on two-pointers. Uh, just a really unique player. Uh, you know, she's like six one. I think she's listed at. But just broad shoulders, really strong. You know, she's got a really fun kind of bully ball driving style uh, where she just gets a shoulder into people and she has the length and the touch to finish these drives and she's a, a heady passer. Uh, so again, you know, UCLA not necessarily being this team that is going to run away from people, right? It's just, mm-hmm. I think that is the uh, SC might be the team you point to there is that's basically what we're talking about, right? Is, you know, can a lower seed win two games in this thing? Yeah. No, I agree with that. I had them on my list too. Um, also, probably one Pac-12 freshman of the year this morning, I think it was. So, congrats to her. But yeah, she's just been incredible for them, especially over the last like few games. I think she's averaging twenty-seven points in the last three games. Um, and USC is unsurprisingly with that on a three-game win streak. So, um, you got a little bit of momentum coming into this. If she continues to play at that level, they definitely have got a chance to upset UCLA. Um, and make it to kind of that semifinals, which I think would be, you know, as much of a Cinderella run as you expect from anyone in this bracket. So definitely will be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I don't really know that there's honestly anyone else on this bracket that I would expect to do that. I think I had Arizona State and USC written down as well. So same two teams. I don't really see anyone else kind of coming out and making any big statements. 
Yeah. I wanted to do, I wanted to be sure to hit on every team in some form. So maybe I could just kind of do a, a one sentence, you know, case for the rest of them. If, you know, if it were to break, you know, for Cal, you've got Jalen Brown, the senior go out on top. She had the big putback off a of missed free throw in the Arizona game. She's got nice rise on her jump shot, big physical athlete. Maybe she gets hot in that ASU game can propel them to that rematch. Washington, in the 8-9 with Utah, they've got Amber Melgozo, one of the best scorers in the conference, and U- and Utah's defense at times has just been absolutely dreadful, along with their effort just to get back in transition. Uh, and their freshman post player, Lola Pendande, has become notorious for getting in foul trouble. Uh, against USC, she picked up, or UCLA, she picked up two fouls less than one minute into the game and is immediately on the bench, which is not ideal. But then the case for Utah, they have a bunch of awesome three-point shooters. And UW plays a lot of zone, so you get loose, and, and those threes can add up in a hurry uh, for Utah, but they will, either of those teams is running into a buzzsaw. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, regardless that's a great of, way to put it. <laughs> of what they do. And those final two, Colorado, Jalen Sherrod, I think has been one of the probably one of the underrated stories in the conference this season. I think she's brought a lot of hope to the program right away where they had to replace such a big name in Kennedy Leonard and right away to a freshman. That's just, I mean, she's one of the fastest players in the league with the ball pushing up the floor for them. She's fearless. You know, they've played Stanford tough two times, so they're not going to, they're not going to back down. You know, I think they have pretty equal chances of USC, even if they uh, get a shot at UCLA to push, to really push them in that second round. And then Washington state, Everyone loves Borislava Herstova, Bobby Buckets. She can fill it up. Chanel Molina, um, I think, got snubbed by the coaches. I'm going to uh, make a point to highlight that. Uh, I think she's one of the best guards in the league. I think it's uh, a huge mistake by them to leave her off. There's no doubt she should have been on the All-Pac-12 team. And this is a rematch from Sunday's game with Oregon State, but Chanel didn't play. She's a last-second scratch. Apparently, she suffered some kind of minor injury and shoot around that morning. Uh, So I haven't seen anything yet on her status, but the case for them, they just have two awesome scorers and uh, you know, Oregon state, they've had to lean on its own sometimes because they haven't been able to guard man to man. So maybe those two are able to, to both get high and and carry them to, uh, to the, a a second straight uh, disappointing uh, first round, uh, first game exit for Oregon state in the, in the conference tournament. Yeah, definitely. Lots of kind of interesting things that could happen in those first round games, which obviously is why we all love March so much. How did, so how did I do? Did I sway you with any of those cases? I don't think you swayed me on any of those cases. I still don't think, I don't, <laughs> I think there's just a little bit too much strength in some of these other teams to make a run, but the top, I think the top of the Pac-12 is kind of, you know, you see it in the records when you, like, look down this list, but the top of the Pac-12 is so strong where the bottom is a little farther off. It's kind of like the opposite tail, I feel like, of the Big Ten where there's quite a few teams in that, you know, anyone could kind of beat each other range. Um, but, yeah, going back to the Pac-12, getting off on a tangent there. I'm not swayed, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure something will happen crazy anyway. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be a, I'll be a, a good, I'll be a, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give them some, I'll do them a favor and say like, you know, Colorado USC, that, that one really is worth watching. I think, you know, whatever, you know, whoever comes out of there, that's going to be a good challenge for USC or UCLA. So that's, I think that, that alone, it's that early in the tournament. I think it's uh slightly more, there's slightly more intrigue there maybe than, than uh, an average year for other conferences. Yeah, definitely. Makes sense to me. Um, and then, yeah, I think once you get to Friday, all of these games are going to be intriguing. Other than maybe Arizona's, I guess. Or, or not, sorry, not Arizona's. I meant to say Oregon's. Um, you know, I do, don't see Utah or Washington challenging Oregon. I think just the level that Oregon's been playing at as of late, I would be really surprised. But other than that, all other three games on uh, Friday, I think, are kind of going to be must-watch. Yeah, so maybe we should wrap on, like, what do you – you know, what do you see as likely as likely to happen with NCAA tournament seeding for these, for really, you know, the top six, they're all going to be in the tournament. How do you see things, you know, realistically, you know, barring some big, you know, barring someone beating Oregon, you know, something like that, or a catastrophic loss for someone else? You know, what do you see as the likely change that can really happen here? Um you know, UCLA being on that on that two line, uh, Stanford being there too, uh, and then Oregon State, Arizona being in the battle to be a four at this point. Yeah, so actually starting from the top with Oregon, I have like a big grape with the selection committee's um, bracket that they released yesterday where Oregon is still the third number three, or number one seed, I mean. Um, I think they should be ahead of Baylor. I hope to see that if they win the Pac-12 tournament, so they win out from here, that they will be the second number one seed. I, I realize that they have an, one loss on Baylor, but just like the strength of Seattle comparison between what Oregon has played in the Pac-12 and just in general this season versus what Baylor has played is astounding to me that Oregon isn't the second overall seed at this point. But moving away from that, because really in the grand scheme of things, being the second or third uh, overall number one seed really doesn't make much of a difference in terms of how things are going to shake out. I, yeah, because I don't think that... Oregon, oh, go ahead. Because Oregon's going to Portland no matter what, right? So like, exactly. whatever yeah. we call them, you know. Yeah, they're Although going I guess to Portland. Like, I guess like whatever two seed, does that make a difference? But then, um, you know, with, if UCLA and Stanford are both in there, there are only so many options for a pairing anyways, right? I think Charlie Cream outlined this because then Louisville is going to go to the closer, the closest region where they can drive. So there ended up only being one choice with the latest one, right? Where it's UConn. So I, I don't know if it, I mean, maybe it doesn't affect them anyways. Yeah. I don't think it really affects them anyway. I would have said that there's like an argument that if they won out and won the Pac-12 tournament that they could be the overall number one seed, which would have an impact, but being the committee doesn't have them at that number two spot already, I don't think that's a possibility. Um, So, yeah, I don't think in the grand scheme of things it's going to matter much for them. I guess if UCLA or Stanford, which we'll get to in a second, falls off that two line, it could make a little bit of a difference in terms of who they get paired with, but I really don't think it'll make much of a difference, to be honest, if you assume that, you know, UConn's going to win out, which I think is a 
pretty fair assumption. Um, so they're going to stay kind of in that two spot that they're in. Um, so yeah, Louisville would go to Fort Wayne. And then if you have one of these two teams fall off that two line, you can probably doesn't go to Portland. So it'll be, they'll end up with, you know, whoever that fourth number two is probably assuming that's not a Pac-12 team. So, um, I don't think it makes a big difference basically for them. But yeah, moving back to Stanford, UCLA, this one is interesting to me. I feel like Stanford's pretty firmly on that two line. I think even if they lost to Oregon State, they would probably stay there. I don't see them falling to a three. UCLA, I think, has a little bit more to lose. I think they're very close to falling to that three line. So I think losing anywhere before whoever that like Saturday semifinal game would definitely bump them off. Even losing that could bump them off. They're kind of really depending what, you know, Northwestern does in the Big Ten tournament. If, if Northwestern went to on to like win the Big Ten tournament, I think, you know, UCLA would definitely be bumped off that two line if they win or don't win Friday and then maybe even Saturday. So I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, I think they're the kind of the most at risk of those two of falling off that two line. I'll be really surprised if Stanford falls off that two line. The only way I could see that happening is if like Washington State was to upset Oregon State and then upset Stanford, which would obviously be pretty crazy. So, you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I think I think Stanford's got. I think they've got to be safe. Their their overall their regular season quality of loss. I think it has to be a huge a huge boost for them. And then for UCLA, yeah, anything – yeah, I think I – think, I, I mean, I laid out kind of my thoughts on them, so I'm probably more inclined to, to gravitate towards Northwestern. And I think UCLA probably has to show a little something and get, get to the final uh, to really cement – to really cement their place. So then it comes down to Oregon State, Arizona, where Oregon State, you know, it, again, I've, I've been a little rosier on them, I would admit. And just seeing the teams there, you know, like DePaul in that range. And I mean, even Gonzaga, like I get it, like they have the record, but just, um, I, I just Oregon State's one, of the, I think they're still one of the 16 best teams. Uh, yeah. And I I get it to penalize them if they lose in round one right away, but outside of that, um, and then and then for Arizona, it, it'll be interesting. You know, if they don't if they don't get to that Oregon game, at least uh, are are people gonna say like, oh, are they trending in the wrong direction and kind of ignore uh, ignore Ari McDonald being kind of limited and then missing that game. Because at the same time they beat Stanford in that same stretch, uh, so and, and maybe you know how much would a margin against Oregon you know factor in for people if they get you know if they get squished again like they did up in Eugene, uh, and, you know, I don't know if that comes into account. Yeah, I think for both of those teams, one it's going to come down to yeah what they do and where they lose in this bracket, but then I think the bigger thing is going to be what does everyone else do that's kind of in that you know. 12 to 20 or so range that's kind of all flipping around quite a bit um I think you know there's some teams like DePaul and stuff that you expect to kind of just you know make their runs and Gonzaga the same thing they're not probably not gonna lose but 
well, I mean, obviously one of those teams losing kind of opens up some space. But then you've got teams that are kind of probably teetering on the edge of being in that group, like, you know, a team like Kentucky or Texas A&M that, you know, if they make a kind of have some statement wins in the SEC could try to start pushing their way back up into there. So it's going to be a combination of what they do and what uh, everyone else does. Luckily for Oregon State and Arizona, they're on opposite sides of the bracket, so they're not necessarily like competing with each other to keep those seeds. Um, but yeah, I think Oregon State has to win on Thursday. If they lose on Friday, I'm on the fence of whether they stay in or out. I think that's really going to come down to what everyone else does that's kind of also in that group. And then Arizona, I think the R. McDonald question is interesting because the committee should look at, you know, what they should are expected to have going into the NCAA tournament. So if she's supposed to, you know, expected to be back at full strength going into that, is it should they really be penalized that much if they, you know, lose to Arizona State by a slim margin without her playing at full strength or full minutes? That maybe not. It'll be interesting to kind of see how they handle that. But if they make it to that Oregon game, I don't think they should fall off that four line. Yeah, and and I had just had on a couple last things on the Arizona schools for Arizona. Yeah, it, you you're right to point that out because like I brought up Gonzaga too. Obviously, they had uh, they've been affected by injury too, and I think that's going to have to come in you know, to kind of the outlook for them in placing them and just kind of being just realistic with with what they actually have on the court. And for Arizona, I think you have to ask too, you know, did they handle this correctly to set themselves up in March, right? Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting question because a win at home over Stanford, that that's going to last forever. You know, the, just the... Uh, the the value to a program to say that you beat Stanford uh, and how rare it's actually been to do that um, that means a lot. But you were coming down the home stretch, you were staring at a chance to host, and in a way, you know, we'll see once Amy McDonald's back on the court. You know, did did whatever she had to give in that Stanford game? Is that did that set her back a little bit? We'll never, you know, we're not gonna know. Mm-hmm. for certain exactly what that means but you know and then they came out flat against cal and i know the fans you know they were incensed they let the rest were out to get them and that they were unfair to them but there's probably a little bit of a hangover there they didn't play well and area didn't play very much so you know are they set up you know as best as possible uh you know to win to you know to get to a sweet 16 make that kind of run which ultimately you know has more of a lasting impact I, you know i don't know we can't we can't know everything there, but just seeing how this play has played out has been interesting. And, and just, you know, I, re- I really hope that, uh, you know, Aries at full strength because what's really going to stink, right, is if, you know, somehow she is held back and then, you know, they're on this national stage finally in nationally televised games. And then people are like, what? You know, what are you guys telling me about this player that's so good? It would just, I would hate to see, you know, it play out like that. Yeah, totally agreed. And it's an interesting perspective of trying to, you know, did they set themselves up best because probably a loss to Stanford and then just beating Cal like they should. I don't know. Honestly, might have left them in a better position than a win over Stanford and a loss to Cal. So kind of an interesting way to look at it. Um, obviously, that, you know, win over Stanford has other 
factors outside of just like where it sets them up in seeding, but they were already on the four line kind of going into those games. Um, so I think, you know, they're probably, I don't know, I think that if they flip-flop which of those games they win, they might be actually be in a better spot. So it's definitely interesting to think about, but obviously can't know everything that's going on there. So I guess we'll see how they kind of come out when we see them in action on Friday. Yeah, and to reiterate, you know, I'm not, I'm not dumping all over how they handled it. I'm not, you know, wildly speculating. It's just, it's worth bringing up, you know, we can't, we're, you know, I'm admitting we're not going to know exactly, we probably won't exactly know everything, you know, that went into those decisions with when she's playing, when she's not, but, you know, ultimately bringing it to the point of, I hope the country sees Aaron McDonald at full force because, you know, people weren't seeing that regularly even as good as the Pac-12 was all season. So uh, hopefully that happens because, you know, if, if she declares the draft, then, you know, this is it. Um, mm-hmm. And then my last thing I had on this was, don't forget ASU. It got really chippy when they went to Eugene. They got crushed. But in that third quarter, it got really chippy. Um, and I there's, there you know, the, you know, one, Oregon, you know, their frustration and their anger, the fact that they lost that game, they just didn't finish the game. They were up 12 in the fourth quarter. That's just what it is. That You can tell, like, they still carry that with them. They're very upset that they let that get away. And you can tell Arizona State's kind of, you know, even as they're getting crushed mm-hmm. there, they were kind of saying, like, hey, like, we're not, you know, we're not afraid of you guys. We know we beat you already. And I'm sure they they would just absolutely love and relish the chance to play them again. And uh, uh, Jeff Metcalf, I should mention, he, um, out of Arizona, he – uh, shared today that Kira Russell, one of their starting guards, uh, she left the Stanford game with an apparent knee injury. It looked feared for the worst at first, but apparently it's just a bone bruise, and it's possible that she'll play in the conference tournament here. And uh, we'll see if she ends up going. And the ultimate goal, obviously, will probably be just to make sure she's healthy for the tournament since she is a senior. Yeah, definitely. That's always the more important tournament. I say. I mean, they've already you know, secured their spot there so this is just a matter of seating at this point for them but yeah Arizona State you know might be 10 and 8 but they've got the best win in Pac-12 play this season so definitely a team to keep an eye on yeah banners fly forever and being able to say you beat Oregon um as they only make that you know they only make that win look better the better they the longer this run they've been on since that looks right like it just keeps yeah exactly um I'm sure I mean I can I can I mean I can imagine the smile, you know, Charlie Turner throwing and her staff must have, you know, when they, and they deserve it. Right. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not making fun of it. You know, when they go recruit these next couple of years, they'll say, Hey, you know, who is the only team to beat Sabrina and, and company and, and her senior year. Yeah. That was us. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely a huge win for their program. Um, yeah. Definitely a team to keep an eye on in this tournament and in the NCAA tournament as well. All right, I'll close it out with one more question, non-Pac-12 related. Outside of the Pac-12 tournament, what are you looking forward to most in like these next couple of weeks of Champion Games? Any other ones that are really on your radar to watch? Um, let's see. I would really like to see. I'm gonna cheat and pick two. I just want to see between the Big Ten ACC. I would like to see another Northwestern Maryland game, and I'd like to see another. Uh, Louisville-NC State game. I think those are two, just two uh, 
two matchups I really want to see one more time. Yeah, I'd second that. And then I'll also throw the SEC in there. I mean, obviously, you've got South Carolina at the top and Mississippi State kind of in that, I think, second seed. But then you've got Kentucky and um, Texas A&M, both with, you know, those superstar players and Ryan Howard and Kennedy Carter that could kind of put that team on their back and make some kind of crazy runs there. So I think that tournament is going to be a lot of fun to watch as well. And then you've got, of course, Arkansas that's up in the top 25 there, or at least was at a they could have fallen out, but and then even Alabama has been, you know, setting some of those top couple teams, upsetting a couple of those top teams in the last week or so. So anything could happen. So that's another interesting one. And then I'll add the MVC as well. We've got Missouri State and Drake on top, and then Bradley kind of fighting on the bubble. So if they can, you know, be a three bid conference, Bradley kind of fighting to do that and with some kind of conference tournament run there. Yeah, I might even put, and I'm probably just saying this because I've I've watched so much Pac-12 relative to everything else. I might even be most excited for the SEC overall, uh, start to finish for the matchups that can break out break that way. Uh, kind of you know teams one through six or so for them, but should we do it proper and and finish with an actual championship game prediction for the Pac-12 here? Yeah, we should. Do you want to go first, or you want me to? Sure, I will go Oregon-Stanford again, but this time Stanford will not get their uh, their uh, poetic. Uh, we got them this time. I think Oregon will, uh, I think Oregon will, will finish them off again. There. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with UCLA getting it together. So I'm gonna go Oregon UCLA, but Oregon's still gonna win it out. Alrighty, there we go. Ducks all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone will be surprised by that. I think anything short of Oregon winning this one is a upset by far. Um, but it will still be good to see if they can kind of continue that dominant level of play in a three days, three games in three days situation. All right, thanks for joining me, Ben. Thanks for having me. And that's all for today. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast or see in our stories, make sure you're checking out the website over at herhoopstats.com. Lots of great NCAA stats, perfect for getting ready for March, the tournament, making your bracket, etc. So definitely go check that out. It's just $20 a year to subscribe. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter yet, you'll get all our best content, podcasts, etc. right directly to your inbox. So make sure you check that out as well. We'll be taking a quick one-week hiatus from Unplugged next week, but we'll have a couple of great episodes from our counterpart with the hot podcast hosted by John Little, so definitely be on the lookout for those. And we'll be back ahead of the start of the NCAA tournament. Thanks for listening. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.